Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul writing, and he says this, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Receive one who is weak in the faith. Not somebody physically weak, but weak in the faith. Weak in their Christianity, if we could say it like that. Weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Now, as we keep reading, we'll understand more of what he's talking about. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? That's a good question right there. Who are you to judge another servant? So we just have to remember that We all are responsible before the Lord to live for God based on what we really believe His Word is saying. Not what we want it to say, not what we wish it said, but what we really believe His Word is saying. And here's why. Because we will be judged according to the Word of God. This is an open book test at the end of the age, if I could say it like that. But other people really do have convictions about what they believe is right and wrong and what the Lord is saying. And so Paul is saying, you need to be careful that you don't start meddling with God's servant and start to impose all of your interpretations and beliefs upon that person. Of course, some of these things are very simple. Do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery and such. But what he's talking about here is more subjective. And that is, should a person, and and this is more in the ancient times, but also in I would say, more eastern uh, regions of our world today, should a person who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ eat some meat, some steak maybe, that somebody prepared for you? And if you learn that that steak had been offered over to an idol, for example, it had been presented before an idol, prayed over, you know, offered to an idol, and then they cooked it up and served it to you. So this is what Paul is talking about. Some people who are weak would say, hey, I can't eat anything like that. I'm eating, only eating vegetables. And other people would say, those idols, I mean, <laughs> they're not even real. I mean, God is God. And so, hey, they could say whatever they want to. I'm going to bless this meat and I'm going to eat it. So Paul is saying that the person that is not moved by that because uh, these idols are not real, plus the demonic spirits that are behind these idols are not <laughs> This world doesn't belong to them. We just redeem things. We pray over it and we say, Lord, I I bless this in the name of Jesus and I eat it. So Paul calls that being strong in faith. But he says somebody that's weak in faith, not putting them down, but just saying they don't have the confidence that they can eat that and it would really be condoned and blessed by the Lord. See, And so this is the way he's talking. So let's look now at verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Talking about to God. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So if the Lord looks at the person's heart and sees that they sincerely are trying to do the right thing according to what they believe the Bible says, 
then God will judge them according to that. You know, it's like the word says in James, he who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. See, so if a person knows. So Paul is saying that in our hearts, another scripture says, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. So the Lord looks at our hearts to see if from the sincerity of our hearts, we're really trying to obey him and to do right. Okay, verse 5, one person, Paul says, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day or one day as being special, talking about like the Sabbath or Sunday or Saturday. Okay, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord and he and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. Well, what is he talking about? Well, some people say, hey, Sunday, that's the day we honor the Lord. That's the Lord's day. That's the day we go to church, etc. Other people would say, in fact, there, there's um, a fair number of people in the body of Christ that would say, no, Saturday, that was the original Sabbath, which is true. It's the original seventh day. That's the holy day. That's the day we should rest. That's the day we should honor the Lord. And that's the day some would say that we should go to church, not Sunday. And they'll make a case out of that. But notice that Paul is saying, look, one person will take one day of the week and say, hey, we need to honor the Lord on this day and really have a conviction about that because of the principle of the Sabbath. But he said, but another person says, no, every day we honor the Lord. We honor the Lord every day of the week. And we don't just make one day where we honor the Lord and the rest of the days we don't honor the Lord. And their deep conviction is, no, this is the day. Every day is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And Paul's saying, look, the one that honors one day unto the Lord is doing right before the Lord and doing it unto the Lord. But a person that says, no, I'm not just going to take one day. I'm going to give every day to the Lord. He said, that person's doing right before the Lord either. So notice that Paul is saying, in cases like these cases, it's not cut and dry, like you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, you shall not bear false witness, and uh, you shall not commit adultery. He said, these are not cut and dry like that. They have some subjectivity to them. And so he's saying, don't judge somebody that has a conviction about it and to put people down because they don't see it the way that you do. So notice this, he goes on to say, he who eats, and I'm picking it up here in, let's see, picking it up here in verse 6. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. Okay, so he, he snaps back from the day or the days that we honor the Lord back to the food, back to the eating. And he said, the person that eats, and go ahead, goes ahead and eats that meat that may have been offered to an idol, he eats it unto the Lord, like, Lord, you are my God, and you made this steak or whatever. I'm going to eat it. He said, but also he who does not eat, doesn't eat out of a conviction that, no, I want to honor the Lord. I don't want to eat anything offered to an idol. And so Paul's saying, you could come at this thing from two completely opposite perspectives and still honor the Lord. Isn't that interesting? See, so we need to know that there are these kinds of situations that are subjective. But Paul's going to tell us what to do about these. So let's look at verse 7 now. Verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, 
and no one dies to himself. Verse 8, For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? This is verse 10. But why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Our brother's not going to stand before us for us to judge him. Our, and we're not going to stand before our brother or sister for them to judge us. He said, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, verse 12, each of us shall give account of himself to God. And so this is why Paul's saying, stop trying to judge everybody for all these things, because each, each of us will give account of himself. I won't give account for anybody else. You won't give account for anybody else. Each of us will give account of himself to God. Verse 13, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So here is something that Paul's going to bring up here that is important when it comes to these things. He's saying, let's not judge, but also let's not put a stumbling block in another person's way. And he's going to explain what that means. Verse 14, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So in other words, if something was offered to an idol and somebody looks at that piece of meat or whatever it was, and thinks, oh man, that's unclean because it was offered to an idol. Then Paul said, to that person, it is unclean. It is unclean, see? So he said, Paul said, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus. So the Lord Jesus convinced Paul of this, watch this, that there is nothing unclean of itself. You think about money. Some people would say, oh man, that person, that they won that money in gambling. That's gambling money. Well, let me just tell you, if it gets into my hand, it's no longer gambling money. It's going to be tithed on. It's going to be used for righteous purposes, appropriate things. Money takes on the character and the personality of whoever possesses it. See, so that money may have been in the hands of the wicked before, but when it gets into my hands, it's redeemed. See, so I don't have any concern about it. If it gets into my hands, I'm going to do righteous things with it. In the same way, Paul said, I, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Now watch this. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. In other words, you're walking in faith and you're saying, this piece of meat, this is, this is not, uh, this is no longer belonging to an idol. Somebody may have offered that to an idol, but no, this is not uh, anymore. I redeem it in Jesus' name. He said, you may do that, but if somebody's looking on, and they're seeing this, and in their heart, they're thinking, oh man, you're compromising because look, you're eating something offered to an idol. See, and so he's saying we not only need to do what we believe is right before the Lord, 
But we do need to be concerned about perception for this sake, because I may be doing something that causes my brother to stumble. You know, this is, uh, this is a good point to bring up subjects like drinking alcohol. You know, you, you can go in the Bible and find many places in the Bible that warn us against drunkenness and even warn us against alcohol, alcoholic consumption. What you can't find in the Bible is a clear prohibition where God says, I do not want my people drinking any alcohol. You can't find it clear like that. But you can make a case for how it's, it enslaves the heart, how there's a bondage, how it's not for kings like uh, King Lemuel's mother taught him in Proverbs 31. It's not for kings. It's not for leaders to do this because it causes you to pervert justice. It, it alters your ability to think straight and so on. There are many places in the Bible where you could make the case against alcohol. However, it doesn't clearly just prohibit it in the Bible and say it's just not for the people of God. You can't do it, shouldn't do it. So therefore, there's some subjectivity among the body of Christ. And depending on what nations people live in, there is a culture that either accepts or does not accept it as appropriate for believers. So that's one issue. So we could say, and, and this is what I've come to, I'm not going to judge. Now, I was raised that we don't do that. And then when I look in the Bible, I see there are a lot of reasons about it. And then when I have counseled so many people that have become addicted, have become alcoholics, and it just destroys so many parts of their life, sometimes people their whole life. I've, I've done funerals for people that were killed drunk. And, uh, and so you see this and you can, you can make the case. And so I know for me, I do not drink alcohol. I have never had alcohol and it doesn't bother me. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. Okay. However, there are some people, uh, believers that feel comfortable doing that. So that's one issue. I have come to the conclusion based on the word of God, I am not going to judge people if they believe that it's okay for them to drink with, in moderation without being drunk. You know, drunkenness is clear. That is, that is clearly prohibited uh, to become drunk and to drink until you become drunk and you're uh, not thinking straight. That, the Bible says, don't do that. Don't do that. However, I'm not going to judge people that have a different guideline and a different uh, line of acceptability than I do. But then Paul brings up this other issue. What about the brother? I know that I've heard of situations like one person that had been delivered from alcoholism. They were in bondage to alcoholism and God delivered them and such. And they went years being free from that completely. But then they began to be around some Christians who were uh, influential Christians, who drank. And not only did they drink, but they began to say, come on, have a drink, come on. And then the person would say, no, 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 I don't drink. God deliver me from that and such. But as they continue to go out, they continue to say, come on, drink, come on. Dad, just have a drink, have a drink. And finally, guess what? He decided to have a drink. And what happened? He slipped right back into alcoholism. He lost his ministry. He lost his family. He lost his reputation, lost his finances, devastated. Well, let me just tell you, 
these people, these believers that were encouraging this, they allowed a stumbling block. They took their own uh, liberality and belief, and then they took a person that did not have that same conviction and wooed him into compromising his conviction. And guess what? Just like the Bible does say in Proverbs about alcohol, he got bit by the serpent of alcohol. And let me tell you, those people, and I'm not saying that God won't forgive them, but they need to repent of that. I, I presume that they did already do that. But the point is, we have to remember that it's not just us. When we're doing something in front of other people, we're dealing with some serious uh, subjective matters of conviction and and judgment on a person's heart. And so we have to be very careful. So this is what Paul's dealing with. It's one thing. He starts off the chapter talking about what's right and what's wrong for you. But he goes into stumbling blocks for the weak, stumbling blocks for other people that may not share that same conviction, may not see it that way. So, or who have a vulnerability to something that we don't have a vulnerability to. So notice this. He goes on to say in verse 18, For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify, encourage, build up, strengthen another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Do not destroy the work of God. In other words, if you feel a liberality before the Lord and you have faith that you can do certain things, Okay, just between you and God, great. However, the work of God may be around watching and you could be destroying the work of God because you're uh, being out in the open. So watch what Paul says. He said, right in the middle of verse 20, all things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. He said, if your brother is offended or stumbles, like I was telling you about this one brother, or is made weak, he said, boy, it's good that you don't do anything that causes those problems because that has nothing to do with your conviction of whether it's right or wrong before God. Now we're talking about your love or lack thereof with a brother or sister in the Lord or even unbelievers. He's saying if you're doing something that offends, makes somebody stumble, trips somebody up in their relationship, their walk with God, or their ability to relate with God, or their freedom, etc., he said it's good that you don't do it. It'd be better not to eat any meat, not to drink any wine, than to do that. Verse 22, he said, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. This is a very important point in this passage. He said, do you have faith? Somebody said, well, I don't believe it's wrong. Okay, do you have faith? Have it to yourself. If it's just between you and God, nobody is involved in this. Nobody's watching it. Nobody is seeing this, so to speak. I'm not saying you're doing it in secret, but just being wise, not to flaunt it. He said, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. He said, good. If you feel like it's right before the Lord and you're doing it in faith, he said, great. Verse 23, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. 
for whatever is not from faith is sin. So he's saying, if you have a doubt, if you think, oh man, maybe I shouldn't do this, or maybe I shouldn't do this in front of these other people, instead of just saying, no, oh, it's fine, I'm, I'm going to do it in front of them, I'm not going to run And okay, you're doing that, but yet you know in your heart that that could offend somebody. He said, but if you doubt, if you're eating, but you're doubting whether or not you're doing right before the Lord, he said, then you are condemned if you eat or partake or drink or whatever it is. And then he goes on to say, because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. So when we eat, when we drink, when we make decisions to watch certain movies or use certain language and people are around, we may justify it in our own hearts. Well, it's between you and God. You know, God knows our hearts as to whether we're really in faith that that is okay or not. And, you know, we can't judge each other in that, but God knows. However, when there are people around and we're doing these things, we have two different issues we're talking about. One is, is it okay for me before the Lord to say this, do this, eat this, drink this, behave this way, etc.? Is this okay? But second... How does this affect people around me? Do I have the faith that me doing this with other people around is not putting a stumbling block in anybody's way and not walking outside of love? See, that's another issue of faith. And Paul's bringing up both of these, and he says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. If you don't believe that you're doing right before the Lord for yourself, but also and not offending other people, then that's faith. But whatever is not a faith is sin. He said, if you know that this is going to harm people and be adverse to people, he said, you shouldn't do it. Why? Because the commandment of the Lord is to love one another. And we shouldn't be putting stumbling blocks knowingly in front of each other. Boy, I tell you what, these chapters in Romans are bringing up some real relevant, timely issues that we all face. And may the Lord strengthen us to process them properly and walk before the Lord as we should in Jesus' name. All right, we got another great chapter tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow for chapter 15. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.